Magazines and Monsters, Episode 15, The Wicker Man. I could a tale unfold whose lightest word would harrow up thy soul, freeze thy young blood. to investigate the disappearance of a young girl. Where is Rowan Morrison? If Rowan Morrison existed, we would know. I suspect murder. Sergeant, I've already told... In the name of God, woman, what kind of mother are you? That can stand by and see your own child slaughtered. You are the fool, Mr. Harry. You're liars. Are despicable little liars. Hey everybody, Billy D, aka Doc Strange here with another episode of Magazines and Monsters. And this one has been a long time coming. Uh, my uh, podcasting partner from Into the Weird is here with me, and we are going to talk about another crazy movie, but actually two movies. So get ready and put your seatbelts on because it's going to be a wild one. How's it going, Herman? Yeah, it's going great, Billy Man. That's a good mm-hmm. app description. For the two <laughs> films, the one film <laughs> that blossomed into <laughs> two films eventually that we're going to be talking about. But I'm excited because, like you say, this is some truly insane stuff that we're dealing mm. with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, we're going to be talking about The Wicker Man from 1973, you know, British like folk horror film. And then uh, <clears throat> we're going to be talking about the 2006 remake as well. <laughs> the notorious remake starring a certain Mr. Cage. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nicholas, well, yeah, by it, name. <laughs> yeah, if you, if you read Wikipedia, one of my favorite descriptions ever. In 2006, an ill-received American remake was released. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll go, you, I'll, go you one, I'll go you one better, right? On IMDb. Mm-hmm. A review states the following. It says, This movie's so much fun. Nicolas Cage shows up on an island and starts screaming about bees. The end. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's, that's pretty close. <laughs> oh, man, it's insane. Oh, it's great. But, yeah, this is... Uh, we've been talking about this one for a while, especially the, you know, the original. We've been talking about talking about this one for a while. Finally getting to sit down and 
record it, and it's going to be a lot of fun because we are huge fans of Christopher Lee. The movie itself is insane. There's a lot of wild stuff that happens in this movie, and we're going to, you know, go nuts talking about it here. So when did you first see this one, Herman? Okay, this was uh, in, well, since I'm already in an older kind of guy, <laughs> you know, oldish, <laughs> middle-aged. So this was very recent in my horror-watching career. Um, I probably only saw this um, two or three years before the remake was released. So let's say some sometimes around 2003, sometimes around 2004. Because, you know, growing up in South Africa, there was a, a lot of horror that wasn't really available. You know, especially mm -hmm. horror that seemed to be skewed a little bit towards a religious kind of horror, you know. Uh, and mm -hmm. and the, there were very strong religious themes in movies like The Exorcist or The Omen. And, um, mm -hmm. you know, especially something like uh, The Wicker Man as, as well falls into that category because it sort of like uses religion oh, yeah. as this, you know, the jumping off point for the horror in the film. So um, mm -hmm. I think that's the reason it wasn't widely available in, in South Africa. Um, but, you know, uh, I might be wrong, too, because The Omen, for instance, was available in South Africa, you know, whereas The Exorcist was not so yeah. until much later. So, yeah, so they censored that. But... Um, so uh, then when I came to Asia, you know, and I started trawling the night markets here and started picking up all these uh, bootlegged um, VCDs, <laughs> it wasn't the DVD back then, it was a VCD, which they ripped them. And mm. um, then I started to pick up a lot of horror that I've never seen. Lots of B-movies, lots of old sci-fi stuff as well, but um, lots of horror that I missed, you know, and there were movies I knew about because the internet had been around then for, for 10 years at least, and I'd you know, my favorite actors, I had searched all of their, you know, filmography. So I knew about The Wicker mm -hmm. Man. Um, and then I was pleasantly surprised when I encountered it in the wild, you know, in, in one of these markets. And then I bought it. And then uh, that's where I first saw it, probably around 2003. And I was blown away. For me, this was prime folk horror, uh, mm -hmm. which is one of the, the genres I love, you know, the subgenres of, 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 of horror. Uh, it's the folk tale gone wrong, right? Oh, yeah. And, um, and also it dealt with things that were very personal to me, you know, like religious themes, religious horror, the, the cults and stuff. You know, I'd always been interested in that, you know, since I, I'd observed that, you know, uh, closely as a, as, as a teenager. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, uh, this, this movie came at the right time for me as well when I was in Asia and I was like researching a bit of that stuff. And uh, I loved it. I rewatched it so many times, I can't even count the original. <laughs> and then, you know, three years after that, the remake came out. And I took my, my, my then fiancé, Erin, uh, uh, now my wife. <laughs> so I took her to watch it. And I remember we were watching it and she was turning to me multiple times. She says, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> I'm like, I don't know because I had been touting the movie. I said, they're doing a remake. You love cage. I love cage. This is a remake of a classic Christopher Lee horror movie. We got to go see it. You know? So she had been, I had been building it up a little bit too mm -hmm. much, you know, and she was excited for it. But then we were both completely, you know, it, ru it was, it, it ruined it for us, you know, really the, the excitement but the, the, the first is still a classic and that's mm -hmm. how you know i saw it recent well fairly recently in my life uh, as my horror watching days go but how about you billy like i'm i'm interested like was this one of the very early horrors you saw well you know uh, i gotta be honest with you they as far as i know 
in the area I lived, this was not something that was ever that I saw on regular television. Because, you know, they would show horror movies on television, but usually uh, Hammer or, you know, uh, Universal stuff or some other offbeat, you know, sci-fi and stuff like that. But I feel like this movie was, uh, even if you tried to edit it, is still too a little risque mm. for, for me to have seen when I was a kid. So I, I can't remember, but it had to have been once the internet age came around because... That's when I really became a huge Christopher Lee fan and thought, well, what else has he been in? Mm. You know, other other than the Hammer flicks that I had seen. And I remember finding out that he was in this movie and just the description, you know, uh, sounds insane. So I'm like, oh, I got to see this. This sounds really creepy. Mm. And then <laughs> I didn't see it in the theaters, but the 2006 version I did see uh, very quickly after it came out on uh, as a rental, you know, on DVD at stores because back then you still had stores uh renting dvds yeah, and stuff yeah. like that <laughs> <laughs> so i remember me and my wife sitting down and watching it and i was just like hmm because i couldn't remember much from the original so i thought I, I don't know here like hold on so then you know i went back to watch the original i thought oh boy yeah that was like way different Oof. although some of the lines are word for word which yeah makes no sense to me uh but it was it was very rough, and then I had just recently again uh, watched it, and uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I feel like if they would have uh, not called it a remake of The Wicker Man, and just changed a couple of little things, I yeah. may have thought it was okay. But because they tried to make it a Wicker Man remake, it's oof, man, is it rough? Yeah, it's almost <laughs> blasphemy. I mean, since we're yeah. dealing with lots of blasphemous things in this discussion, it it is blasphemy of a, <laughs> of a kind, right, Billy? Because the, the oh, first one is yeah. such a classic. But you know, it didn't do well. You know, when it was first released, mm -hmm. probably because, um, you know, it dealt with these themes, and it, it's a British film too, originally the mm -hmm. original. So you know, they weren't yeah. in the same headspace as the Americans were during, let's say, the Rosemary uh, Rosemary's Baby era, nineteen sixty nine, or the Exorcist era, nineteen seventy three. The the Americans were in a totally different headspace. You know, the mm -hmm. you know than the British were. The British were still very staid, very conservative where those things were concerned, and. And uh, they weren't re ready for a revolution in film. So I think because yeah. it wasn't widely, dis you know, um, lauded in the UK, that's probably what, what affected its American distribution as well. But then it yeah. became a cult classic, you know, definitely did. And um, I think, you know, this is one of the prime examples of uh, the source material not being, uh, f you know, very acclaimed at all. I mean, the novel by David Pinner, which is just called mm -hmm. Ritual. It, it wasn't that good, yeah. but somehow, you know, the screenplay of it was, uh, which was written by Anthony Sheffer, right? Um, mm -hmm. The screenplay was amazing. And then they, they got Christopher Lee on board. They got, you know, Britt Eklund, you know, mm. um, they got uh, a lot of good people on board. Uh, Ingrid Pitt's in there. So oh, yeah. the cast, the screenplay, the, the performance, the setting, everything just worked. I mean... Uh, I, I'd say they, they had a winner with this, but and and then it didn't do well, which is baffling to me. Yeah. Um, but like I say, it might be because of the British, you know, not being in the right headspace uh, for something like this at the time. Uh, lots of criticism of Christianity, <laughs> you know, lots of, um, uh, you know, uh, comp almost comparing Christianity to the cult, you know, that Christopher Lee's worshipping on this island or that he started on 
or, or his his ancestors started on this island. So, you know, that mm-hmm. probably um, sat wrong with a lot of people, right? Uh, film yeah, critics. I think this is, this is one of those movies that was a little bit ahead of its time, yeah, for sure. definitely. <laughs> That's definitely. probably why it didn't get, you know, a lot of uh, accolades and huge release and maybe didn't do so well because, like you said, people were still a little bit like, wait, what's this about? And then they were like, wouldn't even give it a chance because it just sounded a little... Uh, appalling <laughs> exactly exactly no no no. it's true i mean folk horror has always been appealing uh to some people if uh it's shown that christianity wins out in the end you know like in movies mm-hmm. like um blood on satan's claw and and those kind of things you know where yeah folk horror is shown as, paganism is shown as evil and christianity is so, shown as good that that's kind of well received Right, Billy, uh, usually. Right. But, but you know, this one definitely paints it completely differently. There's no way the Christian God or Christianity ends up, you know, the, the triumphant in this movie. Yeah, this, there's not a happy ending here, folks. That's, <laughs> you know what I mean? If if there would have been a happy ending and, you know, the, the, the <laughs> good person would have won out in the end, this would have been... You know, I'm sure it probably would have been a lot better, well received. Yeah, yeah. Then, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll get into that, though. <laughs> yeah, we'll, 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 we're, we're uh, jumping ahead now. But, you know, just to let you know initially, I think to let the listeners know, right, Billy, why it didn't uh, hit the ground running, um, the original. Mm-hmm. Um, because there were many factors involved, I'm, I'm thinking. But the, the, the ones that did turn it into a classic, those factors are still firmly there and you can see them on dvds you can see them in in what whichever way it's been released since it's probably got a blu-ray out there sometime somewhere too um yeah and uh you know it's still a classic for those reasons the great acting from people like christopher lee the fantastic cast and then the innovative use of uh you know music integrated Mm. into this folksy setting and Mm -hmm. also this this feeling of dread that you've got it's almost like you as a a westerner gets inserted into this alien environment of paganism yeah. where you you go with the detective who's the main character and you enter this alien realm and you start to feel dread because what do we fear right believe we fear that which is unknown or abhorrent to us or anti-christian mm-hmm. you know that's been ingrained into us right that stuff is wrong and now we're taking this road trip through it <laughs> so that's why it works <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty awesome. But, yeah, I mean, we can get into a little bit here. Like you said, the director was uh, a guy named Robin Hardy. Mm. And then the screenplay, you said, was uh, Anthony Schaefer, and then produced by Peter Snell, and then starring Edward Woodward as uh, our uh, policeman here. Uh, he's uh, the basically the main character in the movie. Uh, he's uh, Sergeant Neil Howie. Mm. Uh, <laughs> and he's an interesting guy. And then, uh, like you said before, uh, Britt Eklund, who's a super hottie uh Oof. she's the innkeeper's daughter <laughs> oh man and then she's like hot, a, a yeah. little small part for Ing- ingrid pitt too i wish she had a little bit bigger of a part but still she was in there uh she was her awesome self and then you know christopher lee as well he's uh lord summer isle which mm. is uh i think one of his favorite roles he ever played i think he said on more than one occasion <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah he's he's gone on record as saying that because you know he could really espouse a type of philosophy not not particularly his own, but he he said he would, uh, you know, put himself into this character and he would comfortably slip in and out of this role, you know, um, mm-hmm. which is not always the case with previous roles like the Dracula role and so forth, which he became tired of. 
this is one of the、mm-hmm. roles. I think it was also a pleasant、uh, transition from playing, you know,、mm-hmm. uh, a different horror villain、uh, and、yeah. in, into this role for him. Yeah, he wants more character driven roles. And、uh, mm-hmm. I think that's why he went for stuff like the James Bond villain, you know,、uh, Scaramanga in The Man with the、mm-hmm. Golden Gun.、Uh, funnily、yeah. enough, Britt Eklund was in there too, right? She was the、yeah. good knight, the agent good knight, right? <laughs>、yeah. um, so they, they shared、uh, screen credits there as well. But、um, I think, yeah, Christopher Lee took these roles because he wanted to escape that kind of、um, restrictive horror villain esque role that he had with the Dracula films and, you know,、uh, Frankenstein and all of those. So,、uh, mm-hmm. this is very a character driven role, right? Believe this, this Lord Summer Isle. And he sells it so、oh. well because it's evil, but in a different way. It's almost like a gentle, you know,、uh, more、uh, benign evil, which then、yeah. is pronounced more heavily at the very end when you get to the twist, which we'll talk about.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, just to give a, a quick little look at it, I mean, I, this, this is all I wrote down. A policeman is dispatched from the mainland of Scotland to investigate the disappearance of a little girl on a remote, privately owned isle, or so a letter says. So that's、yeah. <laughs> that'll, that'll get us into this one. But yeah, he's、uh, this sergeant shows up at this island and he's、uh, kind of rebuffed by uh, the uh, people on the shoreline, like, hey, get out of here, pal. This is a private island. And he's got quite a bit of an attitude on him. He's like, Yeah, I don't give a crap if it's a private island. Yeah. You know, I, I, got, I got a letter saying there's a missing girl here. So, you know, send the boat to come get me because he drives, he flies one of those crazy planes that you like, land in water, like on. Yeah,、uh, the seaplanes, yeah. Yeah, yeah, one of like, those seaplanes.、Um, like, like, what was the Tales of the Golden Monkey? <laughs> Did you ever see yeah, that? Or, yeah, or what the heck, the one with、uh, Harrison Ford?、Uh, which one was it where he was in the. Oh, yeah. What was the, the one about the island? Mosquito Coast? No, it wasn't Mosquito Coast. It was. Uh, uh, I know which one you mean with Anne Hesch. Oh, damn. I forgot the name. Yeah. Where he was like a seaplane sea、uh, pilot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, so, I, yeah, I've always wanted to. That. That's awesome. I've always wanted to fly in a seaplane, though. I, I, I've always wondered what it felt like <laughs> to do a, a landing, you know, on the,、uh, right into、yeah. the ocean, but never done that. <laughs> but, you know, this guy obviously has his pilot license. He's, he, he has been out to various islands before. That's probably how the police get out there, right?、Um, the Scottish、mm-hmm. islands over there. And they've got jurisdiction or, over this entire region. So, you know, it、mm-hmm. makes sense that he would have to go and investigate this island, Summer's Isle. Summer Isle, mm-hmm.、Uh, mm-hmm. owned by Lord Summer Isle's family. And、mm-hmm. uh, for three generations, right, Billy? It's stated,、yeah. I think. So, you know,、oh, yeah. he flies out there because he's received, like you say, yeah, a missing,、uh, the report of a missing girl from someone.、Mm-hmm. It's anonymous, completely anonymous. He doesn't know who wrote the letter、um, yeah. to him. So he, he goes there. But we, we're, we're shown in the very beginning of the movie him、uh, being like a kind of a deacon in his church, or I think you would call it. Uh, where he is very religious and he's got a fiance.、Oh, yeah. The fiance admires his piousness. He's almost like a Puritan, almost, right, Billy? Because he believes in,、uh, you know, no intercourse before marriage and all of that kind of thing, you know? So, yeah,、uh, he's very, very like, yeah, he's very much like reminds me of like when I was a little kid, how the,、uh, not like my parents' generation, but their parents' generation. Like a devout Catholic,、mm. how they were. That's、mm-hmm. how they were. They were very much like that. A lot of those things they practiced as well. 
Yeah, I, I'm not sure if he's a Catholic, but you know, definitely the the, the fanaticism is there almost. You know, like um, oh uh, yeah, maybe he's a very Protestant involved. or um, yeah, he's I think he's a pro- Protestant uh, because you know he he ne- he only references Jesus the whole time. You know, never any others. But you know, it's it could be a Catholic too because he he mentions at various times, "Where are your priests? You know, where's your minister? Where's yeah. your priest?" And minister. there's one time where it shows him taking communion. Mm. And to my knowledge, only Catholics or maybe Methodists receive communion that way. Oh yeah, way. Methodists do. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah, are, I think those. Home. Yeah, I think think those two receive communion that way. Everybody else is just kind of like you know, way more <laughs> like, yep. Here's your cup and here's your you know bread your or wafer bread. or whatever. That's it. <laughs> yeah, that's it. It's not. Yeah, you're you're not on your knees and receiving it from someone's hands like that and all. That that's why I thought it's no, maybe you're right. Or Catholic, yeah. I think it might be either one of those two. Probably Catholic. <laughs> um, yeah. And uh, but you know, he never wears a cross. That's the funny thing. I mean, he no. makes a cross at one point in time to consecrate <laughs> yeah. a gravesite, but that's it. But yeah, you're right. It could yeah. be. It could be. And you know, the funny thing is, uh, that's I think what what sells this movie really well is the juxtaposition between a devout Christian and mm-hmm. you know the the other end of the spectrum spectrum which is something similar to Christianity but but it's not Christianity you know so that's where the two forces kind of come to blows be- in this movie it's Christianity versus paganism and, yeah and uh, he doesn't know that that's the battle he sets out to fight in this movie because he's just there to do you know his uh, p- uh, police duty which is to find this missing girl uh, mm-hmm. Rowan Morrison, right, Billy, the mm-hmm. missing girl that's been reported. So, like you say, once he he gets to the island, he wants to. He, well, he doesn't dock his plane. He you know anchors his plane uh, nearby, mm-hmm. and then he asks for a boat, for a dinghy to be sent over <laughs> to ferry yeah. him to the shore. And then the folks are reluctant to do that, but he mm-hmm. identifies him as a police officer. So, you know, for that fact, they're kind of uh, you know. St- uh, uh, obeying him but reluctantly and then mm-hmm. you know he makes it to the mainland and then he speaks to these fishermen showing them the picture of the girl and they all say nope never seen her you know don't know she's not from this island and um they do identify the mother though there's a morrison lady you know living uh willow right willow morrison is her name and yeah she's a the the, the town uh post office <laughs> yeah she's she, she's the post office keeper and uh she also sells like uh candy, candy. and everything <laughs> yeah weird kind of stuff it's bizarre yeah. very bizarre and then uh you know he heads over there but as he heads off there's the classic line of it's not her daughter though and that line you know they botched it so badly in the nicholas cage movie i think it's there's nothing <laughs> ominous about that line at all in the second in the remake but in the first one, it's kind of weird, you know, like, um, okay, that's not her daughter. It's the only Morrison on the island. So, you know, who is she? Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so that's where things start to get strange. That's the first, I think, sign that we have that there's something weird going on, right, Billy? Is, yeah, it's May, the, the mother is May Morrison. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry, that. May yeah. Morrison, not Willow. Yeah, yeah Willow May, is the, May... the name of the innkeeper's daughter, isn't it? Yeah, that's uh, our uh, honey, uh, Britt Eklund. Britt Eklund, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right, that's right. So I was thinking of the remake. The remake uh, tainted my my memories there for a second because the, the mother is called Willow in the remake, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. So, yes, then, then things start happening, right? I believe he shows up, questions the mother uh, at the post office, who's got a younger daughter, by the way. 
And she mm-hmm. says, nope, she doesn't know who the Rowan Morrison is at all, and it's not her daughter. And, you know, then briefly, um, while she's out uh, dealing with a customer, and mm-hmm. after uh, the sergeant has been uh, acquainted with her younger daughter, he sees her coloring a picture of a hair, right, mm-hmm. Billy? And then uh, he asks her, do you know Rowan? You know, because he's suspecting that, you know, something might be off here, right? Because the folks mm-hmm. don't really seem genuine when they say they don't know this this girl. And she says, yeah. of course she knows Rowan. And then he starts thinking, ah, okay. And then when he asks her more, she says, Rowan's in the fields. She's a hare. <laughs> so we're like, <laughs> holy moly, are we in insane town already now? Or what? what's uh-huh. in the water that these people are drinking? Because this, <laughs> this is some pretty crazy stuff already. Oh, yeah. So, okay, Rowan is a hare. This cop's confused, but, you know, he needs to question more people. So now we get to a very seminal location in the movie, Billy. What is the name of this inn? Oh, it's the best. The the inn is called The Green Man. <laughs> yeah, and it's got one of these classic, you know, um, logos. What would you call it? This, 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 this sign on the, uh, you know, which is the, the image of The Green Man, who is one of the Irish or Scottish or Gaelic gods, you know, of, of um, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Old Britain, you know, you've got these classic uh, pantheon of gods, you know, similar mm-hmm. to the Greek and the Norse gods, you know, I, I've always loved this, those gods too, you know, the Anglo-Saxon yeah. um, mythology. And the Green Man is one of their, you know, deities, you know, he's the like a forest god, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And um, that's the the name of the inn. That already shows you, hey, this is paganism all over the place. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a symbol of rebirth. That's what the green man is all mm, about. Mm, 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 mm. <laughs> and, and in fact, yeah, that's a theme that runs through this whole movie, right? The rebirth. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, because they eventually they get to is that when when you die, they don't really think you die. You kind of, uh, you know, your spirit goes into like the the trees and the animals, animals and yeah. stuff like that yeah exactly. it's not like you you know you're really dead like you know we yeah, yeah, typically yeah. believe as humans <laughs> yeah 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 no the, yeah you're right this is a, a very strong uh symbol throughout you know this movie is the the fact that um you know uh nature sort of governs uh, our existence you re- come from nature you return to nature and then you mm-hmm. infuse especially the crops with new life and and that's going to be one of the central uh, driving uh, themes is this the, the crops and you know new life that needs to be uh, generated mm-hmm. you know so uh, this green man in though Billy it's a fascinating place because it's filled <laughs> with these ribald drinkers horny as oh, hell it's great oh it's great yeah this is the first look we get into uh, how unnerving it is to be at this place for uh, Sergeant Howie because they start singing a song when the innkeeper introduces his daughter, and uh, it's pretty, uh, pretty naughty song. Yeah, very naughty. <laughs> you song. can see it's unnerving to Sergeant Howie just for them to be singing about basically sex. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're singing about that, and you know the innkeeper, the father, he doesn't care. He sings right along with them. What? <laughs> Sergeant Howie is offended, you know, but he doesn't say anything yet because he's just arrived. But he sees there's something wrong on this island, and here is yet another mm-hmm. example of what's wrong. These mm-hmm. bawdy men, you know, lusting after the innkeeper's daughter, and then, but the music is surprisingly good, right? These oh yeah, folks are all highly trained musicians and and great singers, 
because yeah. that's another thing that makes this movie work right? i believe the seamless integration Ooh. of the folk tunes the folk music yep. at various points in the movie and mm-hmm. and you know what even though it's very upbeat and and weirdly uplifting these songs it is horrifying too because you know uh, if you put something that jaunty next to scenes of horror what does it do it's completely it's creepy disharmonious yeah 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 it it's sort of like um a dissonance you know the the word dissonance you know which which is it doesn't harmonize with what you're trying to make sense of you know it's it's creepy yes it creeps you out because there's some kind of miss you know um har- harmony to the whole thing you know it doesn't gel mm-hmm. well <laughs> so that's no, what the effect no. the effect this movie has on you with the, with these tunes mm-hmm. yeah, it really throws you off yeah and then that very night right he's in his room <laughs> And he's uh, looking through the window, uh, you know, well, he's, he kept the window open, you know, he's writing in his journal mm-hmm. or something. And then he, yeah. he sees someone down in the garden and it it turns out this is the person who's Lord Summer Isle, the great Christopher Lee. And he's he's got a young man with him and he's calling to to Brett Eklund's character, Willow, who's who's rooming mm-hmm. basically right next to uh, her room is right next to the the room that Sergeant Howie's in. Right? Sergeant Howie, yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. So he hears this entire conversation, and basically, it what it is, it's a booty call, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. But Lord yeah. Summers Isles providing the booty, you know, to Brit, <laughs> to to Willow, and he says, "I've got this young man for you," and she says, "Oh well, bring him up, let him come up," <laughs> you know. And then Sergeant Howie can't go to sleep. Why is that, Billy? <laughs> Well, Britt decides to do a little dance. Uh, <laughs> yeah, later on, she's going to do a full-on striptease, uh, you know, for Sergeant Howie's sake. But right now, it's just Britt and the little guy getting busy on the other end, yeah, on the other uh-huh. side of the wall. <laughs> uh-huh. Yep. Yep. <laughs> oh, man, it's insane. So, you yeah. know, that's his first night, his first night on the island. And it's completely mm-hmm. discombobulated the poor sergeant. But, you know, mm-hmm. he doesn't let that stop him from doing his duty. I mean, the next day he does give a, a bit of a scornful glance to Willow as she's cleaning the tables, right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, he, he hasn't tongue-lashed anyone yet. That's coming later. Yeah. When he gets to the school. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. Well, on his way to the school, he sees a bunch of boys with a teacher. Oh, yeah. And they're out. They're out in like a field by the school singing a song. And when you really listen to the lyrics, eventually you're thinking, what in the world are these like kids singing about? Because, you know, they're some of them look pretty young, maybe as young as like, you know, eight or so. And then some are a little bit older than that. But they're singing this song and you're like, are they singing about sex? Yeah, they are humping. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's a song about humping. Mm. Yeah. Then he goes in and starts watching the school teacher unbeknownst to her with the girls because it's segregated classes Mm. and she's teaching the girls and what's she teaching the girls about (laughs) phallic symbols anybody (laughs) phallic symbols (laughs) yeah and sergeant howie is like what in the world is she talking about she's like yes then he say he hears the teacher say yes the penis and he just like you can tell he's he loses it. his lid like yeah he's like what is going on in here <laughs> yeah now he pulls her aside first right billy because he he cannot stand this anymore so before yeah. he starts addressing the class he, he takes the teacher aside and he says you can be assured that i will report this to the mainland this indecency this this corruption of the young 
right? This mm-hmm. this class that she's teaching about, you know, male oh, yeah. sex organs, basically. And then <laughs> she says, but Sergeant, this is our way, you know? And the yeah. teacher is one of the most terrifying females in the book, actually, right, Billy? Because she is, mm-hmm. you know, the, the intellectual, calm, rational one, but seemingly you know, also completely, you know, uh, inured in this cult. You know, so mm-hmm. so if you get these rational cultists, these intellectual cultists, that's that's sometimes what scares me, you know, because you mm-hmm. you don't expect rationality from these people who believe in these extreme faiths. You know, you expect them to be crazy, but you know, when you get a rational person, that that's even more disturbing sometimes. You know, when they yeah, can, this this whole yeah. movie is like that. You mm. know, they don't ever do anything crazy. They don't like you know at no point during this movie. Does Sergeant Howie, uh, you know, get chased by anyone with a axe or anybody trying to murder him? Or like, it, it's they're very calm and they're just like, this is the way we are here. Like, you know, at no point is it a joke or is it, you know, just a ruse and something else is going on behind the scenes. This is just how they live here. They teach their kids about certain things and they live a certain way. It's just that's just the way they live. It isn't like it's a, you know, a put on. Yeah, exactly. I mean. It works havoc on Sergeant Howie because we know that oh, he's yeah. this this um, Puritan Christian. Yeah. This, uh, but you know, it it's obviously also works havoc on us as the viewers. You know, if you if we were raised Christian, right, Billy, this is something very disturbing. Well, yeah, it's very much against the norm that mm. probably ninety percent of the world, no matter what religion you are, you know, what I mean, like you you look at any religion they mm. none of them are teaching their kids about stuff like this <laughs> mm. yeah of, of, so it's very very wild yeah of course you know uh, the old pagan religions did but there are still religions nowadays that do teach this right believe it's just um it's not uh widespread like you said no they're a big major minority yeah yeah, yeah they're yeah. they're a major minority that teach about that kind of stuff <laughs> that's right man that's right i mean so obviously since during the 70s, early 70s especially, England was known as a Christian country. And, you know, later on in the early 80s, we would get Mar- Margaret Thatcher. And she would even push those views further into law, you know, like where you had, um, you know, religion, religious laws. And, you know, so uh, obviously this the, he does have some say here, Sergeant Howie, if you think about yeah. it. Since he does have jurisdiction over these islands. Um, mm-hmm. They just don't care. You know, Lord Summer's Isle, Summer Isle, he doesn't care. But um, uh, Howie also doesn't care for Lord Summer's Isle because every time he wants something, some information, especially written or, or documents, or, or then they say you need Lord Summer's Isle, uh, Summer's Isle's permission. But he doesn't care for that. He just completely steamrolls over them and, and takes what he needs, like the register in the classroom. And he finds that Rowan Morrison was a student. And then... You know, uh, this is just after he came into the classroom, like I mentioned, and and, and sort of uh, scolded the teacher, right, for teaching and threatened her uh, with, oh, yeah. with with the law and being arrested if she keeps teaching the kids these things. But, you know, <laughs> he so he firmly believes that he is the law here and they have to follow, you know, uh, his commands. Um, and, uh, you know, he thinks that he has power here still. Uh, but, mm-hmm. you know, it's actually a completely separate fiefdom almost run by Lord mm-hmm. Summer's Isle. And um, yeah. it, it's, comp- it's it's cut off from the mainland. Uh, I mean, they're shown as completely self-sufficient here. 
which is not the case in the remake. You know, the remake they 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 need deliveries from the mainland, but in here right. they they completely self sufficient. So they probably haven't had contact with anybody in ages. You no, know? and mm-hmm. um, so so the mainland doesn't care about them. The fact that Sergeant Howie is here now and he cares about things like religious education and the fact that nobody is a Christian, that shows that, mm-hmm. um, you know, this is sort of like a, an undiscovered little pocket of humanity. And now Sergeant mm-hmm. Howe is coming to realize truly how out of his depth he really is. You know? Oh, yeah. But we we haven't really come to realize that yet, you know, even when mm-hmm. at this point in the movie. And that's where the horror stems from, right, buddy? It's like... <laughs> You, you're this alien environment that you're suddenly presented with, and how that affects you as as a Christian. Yeah, it's it's definitely way more remote feeling and frightening because of that in the first film, for sure. Now, I did just a quick aside. I did ask my wife how she felt, you know, because she also saw the original with me, and mm-hmm. then she saw the remake, and it didn't have any effect on her at all. It's the same with The Exorcist. You know, it, it's not scary for her. You know, mm-hmm. um, things like this, you know, because she, she wasn't raised a Christian. She wasn't, you know, um, indoctrinated into the Christian religion. Like all in all religions are indoctrination, if you think about it, Billy, because kids learn this stuff when they're sure. young. Yeah. And when, when we're kids, we're very impressionable. So mm-hmm. we, we take in what is given to us by adults. That's just a natural way for us as a communal species, you know, society to be. We learn from our from our elders and oh, yeah. uh, whatever they say their word becomes a part of ourself our being our our, our identity so you know mm-hmm. that's indoctrination for me unfortunately you know that's how religions propagate is is by getting them when they're young right so sure. now to 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 have that as part of your core and then to see that challenged and shaken in this film that is where the horror stems from Right. Yeah. That's what generates the horror in this movie. And that's why it's so effective, I think. And that's what's happening to Sergeant Howie in real time. As you're watching this movie, you are him. (laughs) You know, we are him. (laughs) Uh huh. So what happens in this classroom, Billy? He he confronts the teacher and then he talks to the students and he asks them if they know who Rowan Morrison is, the missing girl. They say they all say no, even after they pass along her picture. And then what does he do? Mm He sees an well, empty desk, right? Yeah, he sees an empty desk, and he's like, whose desk is that? And they're like, nobody's. And then he goes and opens it up, and, and there's this little bug in there. What is it, like a beetle or something? Yeah, a beetle or a cockroach. I think it's a beetle. Yeah, and it's they have it. There's like a nail inside the desk, and they have the beetle tied to this string, and it just keeps going in circles around the nail till it gets caught up in it and can't get out. Yeah, exactly. And, and there's he, a creepy little girl being like, yeah, isn't it great? <laughs> yeah, and then he says, yeah, for in, why in God's name would you even do it? It's such a cruel, horrible thing. Now, she, she the girl seems, you know, um, upset that he didn't get it. Or, you know, the, the fact that, you know, but this is very symbolic, you know, to what's happening in the, in the movie because he is this beetle. Think about it, buddy. Right. Tied to uh-huh. a string, being led around by a string... And going in circles, and you end up mm-hmm. at the nail, you know. So yeah. this is basically him. He is that beetle, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, Sergeant Howie. So this is symbolic to that. But you know, the fact Some that the, foreshadowing, there, yeah, yeah, foreshadowing. The kid wouldn't have known that, 
But you know, she just did it out of what childhood, childish malevolence, maybe. I mean, we did it. More morbid, morbid curiosity. Yeah, morbid curiosity. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when I was young, yeah. I used to do weird things too. I I never tortured animals or anything, but you know, I once put a cake of soap in the sun and then you know put some sugar on the soap so some ants came onto the sugar and then i used my you know uh, magnifying glass to melt the soap to see what would happen you know and mm -hmm. then you know the ants got trapped in the soap so you know <laughs> why would i do that why did i do that it's it's i can't explain why but i never did something like that again it's just you know children are like that we are like that right when you were young mm -hmm. you know so yeah. this is why she did it but you know the fact that the teacher would allow it in the classroom <laughs> That is what obviously also disturbed Sergeant Howie, right? Yeah, he's really upset with her for what she's exposing the kids to and mm. allowing them to get away with it. He flips out too because then he looks at her register, you know, for her classroom for all the students she's had in the last few years, and he sees uh, Rowan Martin's name or yeah. Morrison, Rowan Morrison, and he flips out and he's like, "You little liars!" He calls all the kids. <laughs> yeah, and the teacher he calls the biggest liar of them all because she's obstructing justice here in his mind and um she didn't care so he takes mm -hmm. her outside or she asks him to speak to she asks him if they could speak outside away from the girls and then yeah. she explains to him that nobody lied rowan morrison doesn't exist anymore you know so he's like what so she's what does that mean and then the teacher says well you would say in your words that she's dead but we never use the word dead here yeah. So then he's already like, okay, this is getting weirder and weirder. Where is mm -hmm. her body? Where is it? And she says it's in the earth. You know. So he says in a grave in a churchyard. And she says, yeah. I mean, we can't really call it a churchyard anymore because it hasn't been used for the Christian religion in ages, <laughs> and that's even more <laughs> disturbing to Sergeant Howie now. Just uh -huh. shock after shock after shock being thrown at this guy, right, Billy? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, he doesn't know what to think because you figure this goes against everything he's been taught and lived his entire life, so he's just like, what is going on in this insane place? And then, is it somewhere around this part, too, where he goes back to see May and he goes in there and the daughter has a sore throat and uh, the mother has an interesting way of curing a sore throat. <laughs> yeah, she has this little girl swallow a live frog and then she has to keep the frog in her mouth. But she's obviously horrified by this, this little girl. And this is also horror, Billy. I would, I mean, I cringed at this. I got goosebumps. I almost gagged when Ugh, I saw the scene. God. The live frog is placed in this girl's mouth. And then after maybe 10 seconds, it's taken out. And then the, it, it, she, she puts it in a container. It starts croaking. And the mom says, May says to the, to the little girl, you see now it's got your sore throat. Look, listen to it croaking. You don't have the <laughs> sore throat anymore. So this is like some folk remedy that's absolutely <laughs> mad. And to subject yeah. the child to this is just horrible. And it's crazy. Uh, but apparently, you know, according to her, it works. <laughs> you know, so... Um, hmm. He walks in on this. This is yet another superstition that he cannot abide. Old Sergeant Yeah, and he's Howie. like, you're all insane here. And then he goes to the, the churchyard or whatever you want to call it now where everybody's buried. And, oh, that's really creepy. <laughs> oh well, gosh. you know, one thing we forgot to mention, right, Billy, is the previous night as he took a walk outside, right, he saw oh, yeah. everybody fornicating. <laughs> well, a lot all the young people fornicating 
in the fields, mm-hmm. right? And oh, yeah. uh, then after that, it was, you know, Willow, his next door neighbor, with the young man who kept him awake all night, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah, he, yeah. he already knows this place is very disturbing. And then oh, yeah. when he heads towards the the graveyard, which is in this ruin of a church, he finds on top of Rowan's grave these this, this offering of fruit, uh, you know, so obviously very pagan for him. He scatters that, but not mm-hmm. before he sees a lady breastfeeding a child in the graveyard, which is very disturbing, right? Billy, if you walk into a graveyard, you <laughs> see someone breastfeeding in the graveyard on top of a grave. That's okay, creepy. even though I'm not yeah. religious, I mean, that's still going to disturb me. It's not blasphemy, mm-hmm. but, you know, of course, if you're a Christian, it is blasphemy, but maybe. But for me, it won't it's be crazy. blasphemy. It just would be very <laughs> creepy. Yeah, it would be yeah, it's weird. freakish. It's really weird. And he just looks at her like, what are you doing? Yes. <laughs> and she's and not then he sh- finds that. Yeah. The tree. There's like they, the guy. He finds some crazy dude that's like the caretaker. And he's plant. He plants trees over everybody's grave. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why everybody uh, seems to have the name of a plant. You know, willow. There's rose. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's one of you know what they believe here. This part of this religion, which never has a name, you know, it's just an old pagan religion. They worship, for instance, the god Nuada of the sun. That's one of the gods, and then of course the green man being another god, the Dagda, maybe, you know. So mm-hmm. you know, um, and the go- goddess of the fields, who's uh, you know responsible for the growth of their crops, which which is very important to the story later on. Um, yeah. basically this guy, you know, he plants trees because uh, they believe you become a tree or you become part of nature again in a different form. Your life continues. So, um, you know, makes an interesting kind of sense, you know, Billy, I can see why a religion would grow out of this belief, you know, life, yeah. you know, propagating life. I mean, think about it. I mean, if, if a dead body lies in the fields, it feeds a whole ecosystem of, of creatures who subsist on that dead body body and then breaks it down and returns it to the earth and then that that part of yeah. the earth becomes fertile but um you know uh, to build a religion around this is a very human thing to do you know because there's no need yeah. for all this ritual and all this um you know speculation you know that a sacrifice would would lead to renewal of crops you know that that's a very human thing to do it's like we see causality and things that don't actually exist you know things that right that don't matter yeah. and and that's one of our our curses as a human as, as humans with with these brains that we have you know and our psychological mm-hmm. dispositions and you know the more intricate your machine the more prone it is to these intricate little errors and that's the same yeah. with our brains like um you know we see patterns you know believe but unfortunately we also see patterns that don't ex- that aren't there because we're constantly looking for maybes or for might bees you know so that's what's happening right. here with these people. They have this intricate set of rituals, and uh, and just like the Catholic Church and all churches, you know, you have this 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 set of rituals that take on a meaning, and you have to keep doing mm-hmm. it. It becomes like a compulsion, right? But does it actually have any tangible results later on, other than your own self gratification? No, it doesn't. It's like a placebo, right? You know what I mean by placebo? Yeah. It's like something that 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 uh, sets your mind at ease. But you know, if it comes down to real. <laughs> physical results, it's actually just like the roll of a dice. You know, there's a fifty-fifty chance mm-hmm. that that you know your sacrifice to this nature god might improve the crops. It's not a one hundred percent 
assured chance <laughs> this will happen you know so <laughs> you know and that's that's the horror of this it's it's showing sergeant howie that hey this even though it's radically different and horrifying to him this religion is very similar to to his own religion you know actually in many respects because it's you know got the same kind of results at the end right or or lack of results so yeah. you know um he he uh, this guy is very funny this caretaker you know he's he's got this uh, sense of humor about him because um he he's at the grave of uh, Rowan Morrison and uh, then of course sergeant howie's like starting to think like how did she die nobody's telling me how she died uh, you know, so I want to find out, you know, he suspects foul play. He suspects that it might be because of this weird pagan religion that she died, right? I mean, yeah, he, yeah. he can't really articulate it yet, but that's why he wants to exhume the body. So to do that, he must speak to the man himself. And who's that, Billy? <laughs> that would be Lord Summerisle. So, yeah. yeah, up until this point, we haven't seen him. We've heard people mention him quite a bit because right before he goes to see Lord Summerisle, I think one of the last straws is... He wants to go see the record of uh, Rowan's death. So he goes to like, you know, the records hall and uh, our little honey uh, Ingrid, Ingrid Pitt, Pitt is there with this crazy Princess Leia hairdo. Oof. <laughs> but so, so attractive. Mm. Right? She, oh, yeah. She's a I've very sexy her. woman. Her eyes, mm. yeah, her entire, the, the whole package. But I mean, her eyes are very arresting, you know. And, uh, but mm, yeah, Brit, beautiful Brit, woman. Yeah, different, different than Britt Eklund. Britt Eklund's uh, completely different kind of beauty. But yeah, Ingrid Pitt, what a classic horror villainess from many, many vampire roles in Hammer's, you know, stable of, of films. And then, you know, she is very snarky with him, right? Also says he needs, uh -huh. like you say, the Lord Summer Isle's permission. And she gets upset when he just <laughs> rips the the ledger from her hands, right? He did the same mm -hmm. with the teacher. Um, oh, yeah. So they become really upset when that happens. But they kind of like biding their time because it's sort of as if they know he's going to get his comeuppance, this, this oh, yeah. arrogant uh, police officer. <laughs> so he sees that there's no record of death, right? So no death certificate. He must go to inquire about this with Lord Summer Isle because Lord Summer Isle seems to be the ultimate authority. You know, mm -hmm. in, on this island, which has no clear police force or constabulary, right, um, to 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 govern them. No, I, I I wonder why they even bother with the records office at all. You know, why was Ingrid Pitt even there? <laughs> you know, like it is kind of odd, yeah. yeah. If you think about it. <laughs> but um, yeah, she might be. She might have other duties. You know, more administrative stuff that they might need. But I don't know. So mm -hmm. he goes. He takes this walk through the fields and through through this you know section of the island, which we've not visited yet, and uh, he goes towards the interior where, well, it's not really the interior; it's on the coast as well, but it's presumably on the other side of where the town is located, right, Billy? Because right, that's the estate, the mansion of Lord Summerisle. It's ridiculously huge. Oof, it's it's a nice place, right? And then mm -hmm. on his way there, though, he walks past this dolmen or this stonehenge <laughs> structure what happens there billy that's the part we mentioned earlier with the song yeah you and i were talking about this i think we were talking about this off mic it's just insane how the guy is you know in like a carriage taking sergeant howie to see you know lord summerisle and uh all of a sudden he hears this singing and he looks over and like you said there's like this stonehenge type you know area <laughs> and there's 
I think it's the blonde haired girl, uh, the woman who's uh, like Lord Summerisle's like right hand lady, I guess you would call mm, her. Mm, mm. And then there is probably, I would say, what, like a dozen? Yeah. Uh, a dozen naked women sitting in a circle. And then they all get up and start like singing this song and jumping around and dancing in a circle. And then one by one start jumping over a fire. Hmm. Yeah, naked <laughs> jumping over fire. Jeez. It's insane. It's crazy. It's, it's really crazy. Yeah. Now, later, that's going to make for some good conversation between Sergeant Howie and Lord Summerall. But uh, yeah, so he's he's very perplexed when he sees this mm-hmm. is our Sergeant Howie. And then he uh, is admitted into the mansion or castle um, yeah. of Lord Summer's Isle. And then, you know, he's shown into the, the sitting room area and he walks around and it seems Lord Summer Isle was just chilling in front of this fireplace, but on this giant armchair, which you can't see, you know, anybody. If, if, if someone sits in this armchair and you're walking into, the, into this room and the armchair's back is turned towards you, you won't see anybody sitting in that chair, right? And that's just what no. <laughs> what uh, he bargained for, right? To surprise the, the sergeant. But the sergeant mm-hmm. looks out through the window again, and he looks at the, these naked women, you know, running around this dolmen and the, the stone, these Stonehenge structures. And that's when yeah. Christopher Lee makes himself known. And he says, oh, do you find the sight of the naked young people refreshing, Sergeant? <laughs> <laughs> and this, yeah, Christopher Lee, yeah, he knows. Damn. This is offensive to Sergeant Howie, but he also knows Sergeant Howie's a, a, a heterosexual man as well. So there's yeah. the, 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 the titillation there as well. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, so uh, Sergeant Howie's very offended by this first you know, um, introduction. And he says, no, I, and in fact, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm offended. I'm appalled. I'm appalled. How <laughs> yeah. could you allow this to happen? And then Christopher Lee's answer is to go to the piano and to play the tune of the song that they're singing to the sergeant <laughs> saying, mm-hmm. Oh, they so love their tunes. Yeah. And, I think it's almost like, do they explain it or is it just implied that it's like almost like a fertility type thing? Yeah, it is a fertility type thing. He, he explains yeah. it to Sergeant Howie, uh, Lord Summer yeah. does. He says, you know, it's the, the God of the fire is, uh, mm-hmm. that's why they leap over the fire. It's, uh, to get him to bless their wombs and possibly inculcate, a a God in there, you know, uh, have them give birth to a God. And then when Sergeant Howie challenges that, you know, and then what does Christopher Lee say? He says, well, isn't the myth of Jesus equally ridiculous? You know, a man born of a virgin? That's an impossibility, isn't it? If you believe in that, why can't you believe that the God of the fire would, you know, implant a seed in a woman? <laughs> and it's like, holy moly, uh-huh. it's true. <laughs> yeah. And Sergeant Howie, you can tell he's kind of stewing about it and thinking, you know, his best answer would probably be because, because we weren't, because I wasn't, you know, taught that you know what i mean like there really isn't he doesn't have a good comeback for that but he still like worked up about them being naked and he's like but they're naked and what does christopher lee say <laughs> yeah he says well how else could they jump over the fire sergeant if they're if they wear their clothes it would be ridiculously dangerous <laughs> so they... yeah the, their clothes would catch on fire <laughs> exactly <laughs> oh my goodness you know and, and this, you don't yeah you don't you don't know how to take Christopher Lee either because he the way he's uh, responding and talking to Sergeant Howie, he kind of always has like a smirk on his face. So you don't know if it's because uh, he's you know knows that this is kind of 
I don't want to say torturous for Sergeant Howie, but he knows this is bothering him mm. and he's enjoying it bothering him. Or is it because, you know, Christopher Lee is like really like, you know, the head guy and he's just like a creep and maybe he doesn't really believe in all this uh, paganism. And he's just like a like you don't know when you're watching this movie for the first time, like what road this is going down, if they all really believe this or if this is just some kind of put on or what's going on because you know sergeant howie's like he's the norm and he thinks this is all crazy and again most people would think this was a little off kilter so if you're watching this as a viewer the first time in you know the early 1970s you're probably thinking oh this is going to end up being so crazy and this and that but you know we'll get there but that's that's not really what's going on here yeah 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 that's right i'm it's it's hard you know i think christopher lee intentionally uh, makes his character very ambiguous you know, uh, mm-hmm. or uh, here in this scene, because you know, believe like he's an intellectual. He's well read. He knows everything about Christianity, almost as much as Sergeant Howie does. And then mm-hmm. he deliberately baits Sergeant Howie here, maybe not because of cruelty, but just to to make him see that there are always different beliefs and different perspectives in the world. And just because your religion is the dominant one, does not mean it's right, or that that it's accepted everywhere. And, mm-hmm. um, I mean, Christianity isn't even the dominant religion in the world. I mean, Sergeant Howie probably didn't know it, but even in the 70s, the Muslim religion was already, you know, more dominant, you know, Islam. So, you know, how could you say that is the reason why you should follow one religion or other? And then, you know, he baits him by saying stuff like, you know, what's the difference between being impregnated by a fire and being impregnated by a ghost? I mean, that's what, what <laughs> you know... Uh, Christians believe, you know, like this woman was impregnated by this force. So what's the difference between that and a fire, you know? So Sergeant Howe is highly offended by that. So the conversation keeps going oh, yeah. south. But, you know, uh, then it becomes worse because when Sergeant Howe keeps pressing him, uh, Lord Summer, are like, how could he allow this? Why hasn't he taught them it? the people on this island about Jesus, about the, the true God, right? And mm-hmm. then Christopher Lee keeps saying, you know, stuff that becomes progressively worse. Like at one point in time, he says, well, you know, the God of uh, the Bible, he's had his chance and he blew it. <laughs> and then, you know, Sergeant Howie says, my God, man, <laughs> you know, he's like he's offended. He stands up. He's ready to throw down here because it's just blasphemy mm-hmm. after blasphemy being committed by by Lord Summer Isle here in the eyes of Sergeant Howie, of course. And uh, yeah, then... Sergeant Howie is so like worked up that he won't even entertain having a conversation about somebody about different beliefs. Mm, He's mm, just like, mm. no, this is the way it is, and he wouldn't even entertain. I, you know, even if Christopher Lee wasn't talking about you know women dancing naked, you can tell Sergeant Howie is just the the type of guy that he is not going to have any kind of conversation about any other kind of beliefs. It's it, like, no, I'm it, not having that. <laughs> exactly. And the funny thing is, you know, he already <laughs> got what he came for, Billy, which was permission to exhume the grave of Rowan Morrison. That was given to him almost immediately by Lord Summer Isle. And then yeah. he, Sergeant Howie's the one who started pressing the whole thing about how could you allow these pagan practices on your island? And then, you know, he didn't get the answer he was looking for. He got... A, a severe uh, drudging of his Christianity, you know, a drubbing, I should say, uh, well, by Lord Summerall. Christopher, yeah, Christopher Lee, you know, so Lord Summerall then, though, he does go into 
uh, the his the history of his it was his grandfather or great grandfather mm, 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 mm. and and how everything got to be the way it is on that island. It's not like this happened overnight or anything like that. It's been that way for generations. And he kind of says to him about like how it all makes sense to them because that's the way they were raised. And it's like you know if you think about it, it's that it's not that off kilter. No, no, no. It it's to be not. that way. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it depends. Like like what were their motives? Right? I believe it seemed that. Lord Summer Isle's grandfather, he was a scientist, he was a botanist, uh, you know, he specialized in, in, in growing new strains of crops, that's why he came to the island, the island had some volcanic soil, and um, mm -hmm. he, the grandfather developed some strain of, of fruit that, that uh, could be cultivated in the soil and grown, yeah. and uh, then mm -hmm. the, the grandfather's, well, the father of Lord Summer Isle, he then became more of a, a religious fanatic. He started the, the the cult on the island of the old gods that supported nature and growth and flowers and crops. And uh, mm -hmm. to do that, he probably started that because he might not have believed in it. He might have done that so simply to get the population under control. You know, the population mm -hmm. of the island that they needed to farm and to export the produce or to just, you know, feed themselves, essentially. They probably did export it yeah. in the beginning, but then later on they just kept it in in house, right? And then yeah. Lord Summer Isle is a mix of of both. He's a mix of his grandfather and his father. He's an intellectual, has a bit of a scientific bent. He's a philosopher, but then he's also, well, seemingly a religious fanatic. He he never says he believes, but later on in the movie, uh, in the, in this conversation, he doesn't. But later on in the movie, he does. You know, but but is that mm -hmm. really what he means, or is that just for the benefit of the population who was listening to it at the time? We don't know. But um, yeah. you know, uh, why else is he doing this? To placate the population, to make them feel as if they they are in control of the crops of the seasons, because we find out that the, there was an abysmal failure of the crops the last season, right? Yeah. So that's what had what has everybody concerned, but not overly much, because they think they can appease. The goddess of the fields, with with what? Billy? Yeah, a sacrifice of some sort. Yeah, we'll get to the, the, the like. What happens is, yeah, they a sacrifice, and of course, Sergeant Howie thinks you know it's that Rowan. this missing girl is mm, is mm, going mm. to be that sacrifice. Yeah, yeah, he thinks she's still alive because uh, one thing we also forgot to mention is in the the inn where he's staying, there are photographs of what they call their May Queen. Now, now, this is very similar to a, a more recent movie, uh, Midsum Midsummer, right? That that movie Midsummer mm -hmm. that that was out a couple of years yeah, ago. Yeah, May, May May Day Festival. Yeah, yeah. the May Day Festival, mm -hmm. and they've they've got mm -hmm. pictures of all these May queens, um, but the mm -hmm. most recent picture has been damaged, or taken away, or shattered, and he suspects that that picture contains an image of Rowan. She's the new mm -hmm. May queen, so they've got her stored away somewhere. They've got her, you know, ready to sacrifice her for the May festival in order. Because mm -hmm. he also reads in the library later, right? Um, it, yeah. In fact, isn't Ingrid Pitt also the librarian? She she holds down two yeah. jobs, uh -huh. just like the photographer <laughs> of the pictures that he interviews. When he looks for a copy of the pictures, he also holds down two jobs, right? Um, yeah. And then, you know, he reads in the library about these ancient rituals, of fertility and um, you know sacrifice that, mm -hmm. that that's supposed to reinvigorate the crops, and uh, you know mm -hmm. he's suspecting, like you say, Billy, that's his main 
uh, uh, line of inquiry is that Rowan might be intended to be a sacrifice. Yeah. To to revitalize the crops. So mm-hmm. he's going with that, but we'll find out. There's a major twist. So mm-hmm. after that, things just keep getting more shocking for old Sergeant Howie, right? He leaves the Summer Isle Mansion, <laughs> and then Billy, he heads off to do more inquiries. But first, he needs the radio uh, from. He needs to radio into the mainland or something, right? And he mm-hmm. needs the radio on his plane. So eventually, you know, he gets to his plane and he finds out what that his plane's been tampered with right mm-hmm. he can't leave oh yeah but um yeah in any case um it gets stranger yeah because uh, he hits back into town and he starts doing the research and and then he starts suspecting there might be something to the sacrifice bit and it's around mm-hmm. this time billy that people in the town start showing up with what is very disturbing to me animal masks Mm. right oh it's, yeah it's actually the following day but still you know they they show up with these mm-hmm. animal masks now we're very close to the may day celebration right isn't it on this very same mm-hmm. day that that's probably the may day celebration um well he we forgot to mention too that he does try to exhume uh the body yeah he does yeah and what does he find what does he find in the casket <laughs> well yeah there's a hair like the girl was painting in the beginning a dead you know, hair a dead hair in the <laughs> casket and then he's very offended so that's that same night he heads back towards lord summer isle's mansion and he throws the mm-hmm. dead hair on the ground in the middle of this this singing fest that lord summer isle has with the teacher of the school where they're he's uh-huh. playing the piano she's singing a, a raunchy ditty and then Sergeant <laughs> Howie interrupts him by throwing this dead hair on his carpet. And he says, what is the mm-hmm. meaning of this? What is this? Is this some kind of a joke? Where is the body of Rowan Morrison? And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Christopher Lee's not giving him an inch, right? He's just saying, well, you must do whatever you think is right, Sergeant. And he says, I'll be going back to the mainland to come back with a troop of police officers. And do as you must. Do as you must, Sergeant. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness he plays it very cool uh does christopher lee right billy and uh the sergeant oh, yeah. leaves in a huff you know the threats didn't bother bother lord summer's isle at all he just uh, heads straight back into his rendition his piano recital there <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh my goodness so the next day is the may day celebration right billy um mm-hmm. the next day is the oh, day yeah. like like we said when he heads towards his plane he gets the, the, the guy to ferry him out there on the boats and the plane won't start. He can't head back to the mainland to bring back a, uh, you know, a cadre of officers to assist him. So he decides to, to do it himself. But he, but he suspects that there's mm-hmm. been sabotage to his plane. And that's when we see the yeah. animal mask people appear, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, yeah they, they hide themselves. But he searches every... Well, not every house, but he says he's going to search every house, right? And um, mm-hmm. the morning of the, of the May Day celebrations, and he can't find... But he finds a couple of weird things, right, Billy? Do you want to speak on that? <laughs> he finds Ingrid Pitt, the librarian, in a very compromising... <laughs> what, she's taking a bath? <laughs> right? Yeah, which, hey, you know... That's uh, that's not a bad thing. <laughs> but 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 Billy, now my 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 sense of, of of events is a little bit bit skewed. Now, wasn't it also the previous night that uh, 
that uh, he was almost seduced by Britt Eklund, by Willow beating on his walls in a naked dance. It must have been that night, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, which... It was it was the night before he went to see Lord Summerisle, but that yeah. always had me perplexed because we're, when we're going to get to the end, they say he needed about to be a virgin. Yeah. Something, yeah. So, so I'm thinking, why would she do that? Why was she trying to? Yeah, that makes no sense. I mean, don't get me wrong; it wasn't bad on the eyes because she was literally buck naked doing this insane dance and pounding on the walls and trying to put the the whammy on him and get him all worked up, and it it worked. And he opened his door like he was going to go out there and go give her a visit but then he shut the door and and uh yeah you know eventually she stopped she stopped dancing and pounding and he woke up the next morning and she's like hey buddy you overslept and he's she's like why didn't you come see me last night <laughs> and that's you know, what he says i, think, I don't believe i don't believe in it yeah i think that that might have been her showing him mercy you know because she seemed to be the less threatening of the three females in this on this island right believe the teacher Ingrid Pitt, the librarian, uh, or, and then, of course, Britt Eklund being the three main female characters. I think she's the less yeah. threatening one. She seemed more gentle, more uh, caring, more giving. She wanted probably to save him. It could be, but, you know, it could also be just um, testing if he's truly a man of faith, which is what they needed, a man of the Christian faith. Yeah. You know? uh, it might be a yeah. way of testing if he's strong enough to be who they wanted him to be, which we're not going to spoil yet, right? Mm -hmm. Right, so, yeah. Or she, it could just just been that she was completely just off her rocker horny. <laughs> you know, it, it might have been that. That might have been the case. Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah, she didn't care. Yeah. No, and then, yeah, that, like you said, they're getting ready to gear up for that festival, and he's trying to search all these houses, and then he has, a, has it out with the innkeeper, and he's going to figure out what's going on here. So he clobbers the innkeeper and steals his costume for the party. Yeah, <laughs> the because festival. everybody's gearing up for, for, <laughs> for dressing up. They, they all make a big deal out of it because while when he was searching the houses, right, Billy, he discovered some costumes too mm -hmm. in the houses of the people. Mm -hmm. And some of them were even very proud of it. Like the guy with the fish costume, he says, uh, when, when um, he discovered the costume, he says, what's this? And the, the, the man says, this is the salmon of knowledge. I'm, I'm dressing up as the salmon of knowledge. <laughs> you know, so he's very <laughs> proud of that. And, you know, Captain Howie uh, or Sergeant Howie's just like, what? You know, he's got this great way of looking at people with this scornful, indignant glance, right? <laughs> Ed, uh, yeah. Um, oh, Edward, yeah. You know, uh, the, the actor, what's his name? Edward Woodward, right? Edward Woodward. Yeah, yeah. he's got yep. a great look mm -hmm. when he scorns you. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, there's yeah. another one where, you know, he discovers the girl who tied the beetle, you know, around uh, the nail. Oh, in yeah. Rowan Morrison's mm -hmm. desk. He, he's mm -hmm. in her house searching for Rowan and he opens the closet. And what happens, Billy? Uh, and somebody falls out, I think, right? Yeah, this girl pretends to be a dead body. <laughs> falling out of a closet <laughs> and she freaks him out by then waking up and laughing and running away and he's like oh my goodness what is this place he uh, yeah it's he's insane. really starting to get it's starting to push him over the edge all of this insanity yeah. and, and and not being able to find this girl and this and that he's he's starting to lose it yeah exactly and then you know he heads back i think this is like like almost now uh mid-afternoon maybe because after all christopher lee because uh, through through the town, uh, at one point, uh, while he was doing his search, Sergeant Howie was pursuing this uh, 
this uh, heavy set uh, giant of a man dressed as a dragon with this dragon costume, right? Um, mm-hmm. And with this little yeah. snapping face of a snapping dragon at the front. <laughs> and this guy led him yeah. to this, um, what, what do you call this, market square, where Christopher Lee was then addressing the the folks who were all already getting into their costume and saying, we meet at three o'clock this afternoon for the festival. Uh-huh. And then he gave them some, and then he said, after that, we're going to the beach. And, uh, you know, uh-huh. so Sergeant Howie knew about this because he was led to this market, possibly um, purposefully by this man in the dragon getup. And then he was tired. Mm-hmm. So he retired to his room for a bit of a nap. And during this nap, mm-hmm. the innkeeper and Willow, the daughter, started to conspire. And they say, we don't want him around for the May Day celebrations. But they did it, you know, in earshot of Sergeant Howie with an open door, not yet asleep. Mm-hmm. But they, well, might have thought he was asleep. But later on, we'll find out that was not the case, right, Billy? So they said, we got to right. make sure he doesn't wake up. So she puts what is called the hand of glory next to his bedside table. Now, Billy, the Hand of mm-hmm. Glory shows pops up in lots of folklore and lots of, uh, you know, uh, stories of witchcraft and, and magic lore. It's it's basically the hand of a dead person. You see it in a lot of the Hellboy universe uh, comic yep. books and, and movies. It's the hand of a dead person with each finger lit like a candle. And mm-hmm. apparently it's got lots of magical effects. One effect is to induce a soporific kind of uh, state where you you are trapped in this dream or in a in a state of sleep and you can't wake up yeah. until the hand has you know finished burning has has completed Gone out. Yeah. yeah and then uh, you know they put this next to his bed but he wakes up he knocks it off uh, the table and then he heads into the innkeeper's room and like you say clobbers him with what what turns out <laughs> to be a bedpost or something or oh, no a candlestick he clobbers him with a candlestick yeah and then, uh, you know, he dons the costume of Punch the Fool, which is the innkeeper's mm-hmm. costume, right? Punch the Fool. Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And then I love it. <laughs> he joins the procession, right, Billy? As Because the costume oh, is complete. Yeah. It, 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 it disguises him completely. So he joins the procession. Mm-hmm. And with Christopher Lee at the head, dressed as some kind of a weird shaman-esque you know, I don't know what Christopher Lee was, was dressed at, but it looked like the, the front man for a weird heavy metal band. Uh, but but he was yeah. jumping around and capering like a woman, like a mad woman, <laughs> you know? And then uh, I've got nothing as women in this movie. Sorry, the women in this movie is all great. But, you know, Christopher Lee pretending Error. to be this lady. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my uh-huh. God. And then, you know... Oh, and then my favorite part's coming up. <laughs> ooh, are you referring to the dance with the swords, that part, or...? Oh, yeah, chop. Oh, man, chop, 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 chop. chop. <laughs> that is very disturbing. It's basically got everybody lining up. It's the same place where they jumped over the fire for the fertility rite, the naked ladies mm-hmm. earlier, uh, the, the day before. Yep. You've got yep. them between these two Stonehenge-type dolmens, uh, stone structures... They're walking in the middle where these young men have their swords drawn and they link the swords in an interlocking star, right, Billy? And they mm-hmm. have everybody uh, walk in a line and then underneath these swords and putting their heads in this sword-shaped star where, you know, basically mm-hmm. all the, the boys have to do is to pull the swords close and then pull them out and to, to cut your head off, right? 
So uh-huh. everybody's like doing the chop and punch. Who's our detective? How he, uh, uh, Sergeant? How he doesn't want to do that. Of course, he's standing off to the side, but he gets <laughs> grabbed by the nose. <laughs> By Christopher Lee saying, it's a game of chance. Everybody must participate. And, you know, everybody has a go. And it's chop, chop, chop. You just know someone's going to get the chop, right? Chop, chop, chop. Right. And And some of them, they all look nervous as if it could have been any one of them. Like Lee does it and he doesn't look nervous. But like Ingrid Pitt does it and she looks like she's ready to crap her pants. Like, oh, God, please don't let them. Because when they stop going chop, chop 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 whenever they stop that's when the chop happens and then they do stop and it's this little bear this bear costume right and and this bear gets the chop slash and she this bear falls to the ground this person who was this bear and it turns out to be this girl the girl from the school who tortured the beetle and who pretended to play dead (laughs) in the room she's the jokester (laughs) she's the one but she's not dead she was just pretending it's all just a game, right? Nobody was killed for mm-hmm. real. She gets up and laughs yep. and, you know, everybody proceeds down to the beach. So that was a scary scene, right, Billy? I mean, especially yeah. for Sergeant Howie who went through through the chop. Chop! <laughs> chop! And then they they end up on the beach, and this is a very interesting scene. They sacrifice, well, is this a sacrifice? I guess for an alcoholic, this might be a terrible sacrifice, right? They end up (laughs) broaching these casks of mead and rolling them into the ocean to inebriate Mm. the god of the sea. (laughs) Aquaman's drunk. Yeah, Aquaman's getting (laughs) plastered that night. Poseidon's drunk (laughs) off his nut. You know, Namor. <laughs> Namor is having a, a whale of a time. And, uh, you mm-hmm. know, Triton's, you know, in his tub, you know, singing sea shanties. You know, they're all getting drunk. So thank <laughs> you, Lord Summer Isle, for this bountiful, you know, offering of alcohol to the oceans. Mm-hmm. And then after that, it gets weird because there's a cave on the beach, right, Billy? Mm-hmm. And who comes out of the cave? Uh, a young girl. And it's... Uh... Rowan Morrison. Yeah. And immediately, you know, Sergeant Howie just, well, he doesn't discard his disguise yet, but he acts out of character and runs towards, you know, Rowan. And he he grabs her and uh, runs with her into this cave and says, I'm here to free you. They're going to sacrifice you. Come with me. I'll, I'll save you. And they head through the cave, through this network of tunnels until they climb out on the top of this uh, bluff overlooking the ocean, right? I believe this yeah, cliff. Like a, a cliff or something, yeah. And he's surprised, Sergeant Howie, is, as soon as he gets Rowan out of this cave mouth and picks her up and puts her, sets her down on this bluff, everybody there's waiting for them. And uh, mm-hmm. Christopher Lee's even had time to scrub his face of all the face paint <laughs> and take off that ridiculous wig. And yeah. he's, he's dressed in his tweed jacket 
and uh, with uh-huh. his wild Einstein hair, young Einstein. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the whole cast is there, basically, of the entire island. Mm-hmm. And what is revealed to Sergeant Howie, especially after Rowan just abandons the sergeant and runs towards Lord Summer Isle and her mom and says, did I do it right? Did I do it right? Oh, you performed brilliantly, my child. You did a wonderful job. So what is revealed to the poor sergeant here, Billy? Yeah, Summer Isle then lets uh, Sergeant Howie know that, you know, the little girl was never the intended uh, sacrifice and that he is because uh, uh, he meets some criteria. <laughs> exactly. They, <laughs> they don't, they don't, they don't want to sacrifice a little girl. They, they need a, what, like a, somebody that comes of their own free will and the servant a of virgin. a king. <laughs> yeah. But not of yeah. their own religion, an outsider, but mm. linked to the island. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And a virgin. Yeah. So that, that's what you were referring to earlier with the previous mm-hmm. night. Uh, Willow trying yeah. to seduce him. Like, why? <laughs> Yeah, didn't make sense. Yeah, because he told her he doesn't believe in in you know marriage, uh, you know intercourse before marriage. So mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know she might not have been aware of that uh, specification, but um, it's good for Lord Summer's Isle that that you know he resisted then because otherwise she might have ended up as the sacrifice. Did our horny little willow? <laughs> she might have ruined everything. <laughs> But, you know, then, you know, uh, the sergeant is very confused. But then after it's explained to him by Lord Summer Isle that he is the sacrifice, he tries to escape, but he's, you know, basically knocked down by that giant of a man who pretended to be the dragon, who's sort of like the the local enforcer. Mm -hmm. And they tie him up. At first, they lift him up above, you know, their heads, you know, all the townspeople do. But then eventually they tie him up and lead him by the hands, Billy. And then we realize why the movie is called The Wicker Man, don't we? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, this is uh, crazy. So they lead him to a giant, like, effigy of a man made of, like, you know, all, like, tree branches and sticks and everything, you know, like, wicker, basically. Mm, And uh, they have all different chambers of this that have animals in them. And then there's a chamber inside the head of this wicker man for uh, our buddy uh, Sergeant Howie, and <laughs> they're gonna slap him in there and then uh, roast some marshmallows. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They're gonna burn the Oof. poor guy to death. And um, you know, um, th- this this scene is very you know protracted, right, Billy? Because basically, what happens is it's him stuck in the wicker man, pleading for his life at first, and then realizing that's not gonna do any good. He starts to uh, to to appeal to their reason and saying that this will not change anything. Your religion is a lie. And, uh, you know, there's only one true God, Jesus Christ. And at first he tries to also turn it back on Christopher Lee by saying that if the sacrifice doesn't work, then next year you should sacrifice Lord Summer Isle. Only he will do, right? But Yeah, um, and you can see the look on Lee's face when he says that. Yeah. You notice he has a face on that. He looks kind of scared like, he, he might be right. What if he's right? <laughs> exactly. He was very uh, taken aback by that turn of uh, events. But then, you know, it doesn't matter in the end because Sergeant Howie's no. life is still going to end. And um, mm-hmm. he realizes there's no way out. So he tries to, at first, uh, quickly uh, convert them to Christianity, essentially, right, Billy? With, with, at first, trying to shout louder than they are because they're now singing and dancing around this wicker man. And then oh, yeah. he, he decides to counter that with his own hymn by singing a Christian hymn, but that's not working because his his hymn is just being drowned out by the 
singing of the entire village, mm-hmm. the entire island. And then the heat start because they've already lit the flames and Oof. the the fires have already started burning and the animals have started screaming. And, oh, yeah. Uh, then the only recourse he has is to lie down in the wicker man and start to pray to, to God. Yeah, he starts to pray to oh, his own man. God for mercy at first and and then for pray for his soul. And then the, 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 there's this horrifying scream, right, Billy, coming from the wicker man as the flames engulf that section of of the wicker Oof. man and then that's creepy yeah that is very creepy that is very creepy and then they show this happened right at the sunset when the sun is yeah. lowering into the clouds and the sacrifice is complete and then that's where the movie yeah. ends we never re- do get to know whether the crops you know uh, <laughs> next year it doesn't even matter if they did because it would all no. have been just chance but it's yep. also you know, um, you know the end of Sergeant Howie's life and the end of our uh, us being Sergeant Howie, the viewer, the end yep. of the movie for us. So yep. very, very disturbing, very horrifying perfect way tone. to die. Perfect, the, the per- perfect tone, ending. Perfect ending. Perfect tone, and it's a perfect twist, right, Billy? Yeah. I mean, even if the sergeant, even if you suspected he would die because he's interfering, you didn't know that he was being led by the nose the whole time everything happened based off of what they intended to happen it was all a game it was all a set of breadcrumbs that they threw to the sergeant that led him to the cliff because he had to come of his own free will they made him come of his own free will by appealing to his nature as a police officer you know leading him with a string of clues leading him on and that's what happened at the end there so I bet, you know, before he died, he regretted not, you know, giving in to the charms of <laughs> our lovely Brit, our lovely uh, Brit Eklund uh, Willow there. Because, mm. uh, you know, now Gosh. he died a virgin. A virgin. <laughs> the poor guy. Poor, poor, poor Sergeant Howie. <laughs> poor Sergeant Howie there, yeah. Man, this is a great film, Billy. The original is, you can see why it's a classic. Great cinematography. Yeah. Fantastic acting. Excellent script amazing um set pieces and and fantastic costume design too if you think about yeah i drew the line nicely between modern uh, costumes folkish costumes and then the the absolute craziness of the final mayday procession halloween type costumes Mm -hmm. wow the the costume design was fantastic so um whoever did christopher lee's hair should have gotten the oscar for best uh, (laughs) i don't know whatever you get <laughs> so, makeup well, or whatever makeup that's effects, considered. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that was this fan, a great movie. So, Billy, I have to thank you for getting us to talk about this finally because uh, mm. it was a boatload of fun. Yeah, I mean, and these were, uh, to my knowledge, there was no, you know, this was all shot on location. Mm. There was no, uh, you know, uh, they weren't in any studio or anything like no. that. And I did find out that that one place was where Lord Summer Isle had his big mansion. Is Colzean Castle, Colzean Castle. I don't know. We need to uh, uh, hit up our buddy Martin, uh, Martin 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 Gray to <laughs> pronounce some of these things. Um, oh yeah, this isn't Martin's neck of the woods uh, in Scotland, right? Yeah, so Martin, Scotland. Yeah, we got to get mm-hmm. him to listen to this episode. He's not a horror guy, but I'm sure we can get him. He's listened to a couple of Long Box of Darkness episodes. He listened to some magazines and monsters in the past. He can definitely chime in. I hope and help us out with. Yeah, some of oh, the yeah. names in this movie. And yeah, also the pictures the... look beautiful. Oh, yeah. my goodness. Oh. 
stunning. Also, also, they throw you off a little bit here, uh, Billy, because don't they also at the end of the movie thank the people? Uh, they thank Lord Summer Isle and the people of <laughs> Summer Isle, and uh, for 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 this movie, for making this movie, for allowing them to make this movie, and they're completely. Um, fictional <laughs> they don't exist there is no lord summer isle <laughs> there is no people of summer isle there even even isn't a summer isle you know so the yeah, fact it's that called they... something sort of similar but not that yeah <laughs> yeah so uh kudos to them for for freaking us out even more by doing that right yeah so, that's funny uh, fantastic movie now billy that gives us a segue to go to you know the failed uh you know Oof. remake but this is the part of the discussion where you and i are gonna have a little bit of fun <laughs> more fun than we've already had because this is the comedic segment segment i think yeah so <laughs> believe tough one yeah like in, introduce this part of this 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 movie though the remake in 2006 yeah so they you know yeah like we said they did this remake and I'm not really sure what they were going for here because like we you know talked about some of the lines of dialogue in this movie are the exact same lines of dialogue but there were other things that were vastly different. Um it wasn't really built around the whole religious element. You know, there wasn't that juxtaposition of pagans and you know Christian uh ideologies. There was really none of that. You know, the island was it was honey on the island is what they were cultivating there, not, you know, fruits and vegetables. Like there was a lot of like very stark differences. But then, like I said, sometimes some of the lines were exactly the same. And I don't know. It was it's, it's very tough to if you don't ever see the first one and you just see the remake, you probably wouldn't think it's like that terrible. But if you see the original and then you see this one, you, you'll really be let down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You see the, the, the two main ingredients that this movie didn't have that the first that the original had was the fact that they didn't make this about religion. That was a, no. that was a, a massive failure on their part. Uh, that's why the first one worked. It had the religious terror aspect to it, you know, which yeah. the exorcist had. And in fact, there is a, a connection with the exorcist because the 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 leader of the island is not lord summer isle it's sister summer isle in the remake mm -hmm. and she is played by alan bernstein who's the mom from the exorcist the original yeah. exorcist right so there is a connection there and yet no religious horror in this remake which which severely detracts from the horror here right billy yeah it was really it's weird it's almost like a like in the in the first movie, there were men, women on the island. You know, what I mean, there was no, you know, there was nothing, no uh, gender like, like pitted. I will say against each other, but on the in the remake, it was like probably the island was probably like ninety five percent women, and they just had a couple men there mm. to help them procreate, and that was it. And they were used as like slave labor and stuff. It was almost like a like a, a sexism type angle or something like that. It was yeah, weird. yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's because it was based around the whole concept of bees and honey. Honey being their, the reason yeah. their crops have failed. Their, their honeybees are not producing. Uh, they are set up, their whole society is set up like um, a hive where the queen bee, you know, is ruling. So the, the women are more respected here. It's a matriarchal society because... Yeah, the, the it's like queen bees running separate little hives. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the men mm -hmm. are only drones, like you say, meant for labor and procreation. Maybe some mm -hmm. defense as well. I mean, 
we see that at the very end where the, the men restrain, you know, um, uh, Nicholas. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, his character is completely different. He is a cop, but that's the only thing that's similar. Uh, but he's got a more personal connection with the island, right, Billy? Because uh, Willow, the mother, in this case, is the mother of Rowan Morrison, which wasn't the same in the original. She mm. used to have a relationship with him. They were, in fact, engaged to be married, like, what, 10, 15 years ago. And she yeah. had left the island. And then she had returned to the island after she found out she was pregnant with his child. Uh-huh. And then, uh, so there is some kind of a different kind of horror to this movie. It just doesn't work as effectively because if they tease you with it. It could have worked very well. For instance, uh, the very opening scene, the first opening scene of the movie is Nicolas Cage as a motorcycle cop pulling mm-hmm. over a car with a mom and her daughter in it. And the daughter keeps throwing her doll out of the, the window. Um, yeah. you know, so obviously that's dangerous. So Nicolas Cage pulled them over. He brings back the doll. You know, he, he gives it back to the girl. The mom apologizes. The girl does it again. And just as he goes to pick up the doll, what happens, Billy? Oh, a tractor trailer is coming the opposite direction and head on smashes the crap out of the car with the mom and the little girl in it. It's like, yeah. oof, man, is that brutal? The mom's dead, you know, probably died on impact, but the little girl's still alive in the back of the car. And Nicholas Cage, the car is burning. Nicholas Cage tries to free her from the back window but uh, he can't and then the car explodes and he feels that he failed them that it's his fault he couldn't save them because after all he pulled them over you know for something as insignificant as a doll and then you know uh, he he blames himself essentially so he's on leave from the force so you know Mm -hmm. he keeps seeing this girl that he failed everywhere this the the girl that died in the car this dead girl he keeps seeing her in his dreams and stuff so that's that's already like a good connection with the story because but then it's just too convenient right billy because right after this accident with this mom and this girl and he's off the force temporarily for psychological reasons he gets this letter um from this old flame of his Rowan, mm-hmm. oh sorry, sorry, uh, Willow, Willow Morrison, Willow. yeah, and she is appealing to him to come to Summer Isle to help her to find her missing daughter. Yeah, so very convenient <laughs> at that point in time. And then, you know, he goes there. He decides to, you know, help her out because he used to be in love yeah. with him, but she left him without mm-hmm. any reason why. So yeah. he tracks her. Well, he tracks down the Summer Isle. Not a lot of on it on Google or anything on the mm-hmm. internet and then he chart charters this little plane the guy's very reluctant to take him to the island because he's doing the deliveries and it's a private island he doesn't want to lose his contract with them yeah but he decides to take him so um he makes his way by plane as well just like in the first movie in the in the original to this remote island and then uh, mm-hmm. it's in washington state right believe this this island chain. What would that make it part of? Uh, yeah. Maine or, or no, it's like the the Pacific Northwest. Oh, Pacific North Northwest. Sorry, yes, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Up there on the west coast, way up there in the corner, because there's a lot of little islands and stuff like that all around there. Okay. Up, uh, up there. Yeah. Yeah, because he's from California, for heaven's sake. So now he's. He's suddenly saying he's got jurisdiction over there. Yeah, that's one thing that makes no sense about that movie. It's like, oh, 
you know, you're a cop. Well, that's great, but you're going to help somebody and you're in a completely different state. You'd have no jurisdiction to do anything there. Exactly. <laughs> and he's on leave. I mean, he's only got his badge yeah. and his gun, but that's it, you know. And he's got, oh, by the uh-huh. way, he's also, listeners, he's also allergic to bees. <laughs> so he offends the people from the island right off the bat when he arrives by killing a bee because, after all, he's, you know, he could die if it stings him. He kills a bee in front of, the, basically all the women you know who are the rulers of this island <laughs> and they are yeah. highly upset They're by pissed, this yeah, yeah. <laughs> so much so that they don't even give him any honey the next morning for his uh what cereal or his coffee or tea whatever he's drinking they refuse yeah. to give him any royal jelly or honey um you know he has to stick with sugar mm-hmm. and then he meets this creepy little girl who's the house the housemaid or the servant at the bar or at the inn where he lodges, right? I mean, he mm-hmm. already met the, the 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 barkeep or the 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 landlady. She's a very imposing, very mannish, very kind of strong-looking woman who could Tough chick, yeah. break him over her knee if she wanted to. <laughs> and she's the one who's especially offended by him killing this bee after she mm-hmm. served him honeyed mead, which is one of the island's specialities. And then. You know, of course, these are all differences. You know, we're just discussing the differences between the two movies here, I believe. Uh, he yeah. he meets this, this servant girl. And she, you know, later on while she's chopping wood, he asks her a few questions about Rowan Morrison. Did she know Rowan Morrison? She doesn't say yes or no. She just laughs and giggles at him. And then before he leaves, she grabs him by the arm and says, when you leave, take me with you. You yeah. Know, so he doesn't know what to say. I didn't to know this. what to make of that. Yeah, I didn't know what to make of that. Well, I think she's 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 like Rowan was. You know, when Rowan. Uh, sorry, sorry. I should say Willow. Sorry, Willow. His his yeah. ex fiance was because she ran away from this island. You know, mm-hmm. when she was young, and then she returned to it, and then this little girl's the same. She's young. She she sees there's something wrong with this. Her life's being restricted. You know, mm-hmm. she's rebellious. She wants to leave. She can't. You know, she's like the the bad apple uh, mm-hmm. in the bunch. So, you know, she wants to find a way off of this island. And yeah. um, now you're wondering, how did Ro- uh, Willow get off, uh, you know, 15 years previously? We don't know. Mm-hmm. But the point is, right, there's something wrong here. So he's starting to suspect this. So then it follows roughly the same uh, story as the original, right? Billy, he heads towards the school. And that now what you mentioned is the same lines are being lifted mm-hmm. straight from the original uh, movie um, in yeah. the school where he interrogates the girls. But rather than a, a beetle being tied up in the desk, what what is it in, in Ro, a, Rowan's desk? <laughs> there's a crow in there. <laughs> Jeez. What does that symbolize? Crap out of. Yeah. I mean, crows are traditionally, yes, they're harbingers of death or in some cultures and religions, but yeah, I don't see any correlation between a culture that venerates honey and and beehives and crows, you know, not not really. Maybe I'm just too dense to see the connection there. But yeah, that was the beetle yeah. was much better in the original movie, symbolizing yes. the the inescapability of this island and the sergeant being the beetle, just, you know, oh, circling yeah. in circles and circles. <laughs> What's going to happen to Sergeant Howie? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, basically, um, there's lots of things that already don't work, right, Billy, in this movie, in this remake. And 
Nicolas Cage's yeah. performance is not one of his best performances. I mean, we've we've come to love Cage for delivering these completely insane performances, <laughs> but this this one is that at the very end. But you know, when he's interacting with the people, it's just bad acting. I think this is Cage being Cage, mm-hmm. but but you don't have you mu- you cannot be Cage in in this part of the movie. You have to be. Uh, a cop you know doing investigations i just yeah. every single scene he does is is over dramatized don't you think like for sure oh for sure yeah and then i mean i really the thing that bums me out the most is definitely how the ending to the first film was pitch perfect because it, it was frightening scary there were a lot of like unanswered questions like it, it really you would leave that theater or, you know, you know, shut that movie off and just be like blown away and be like, oh, man, because, again, it's not a happy ending. It's it's kind of creepy. And this one, it's just, you know, it doesn't end with him being burned up. That's kind of, oh, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it does, but not like in the first movie, like you say, Billy, like um, uh, this one has, I mean, first they, 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 they stuff him in a bee helmet, right? The bees have to sort of anoint him as the sacrifice. There's yeah. a couple of other things that happen too, you know, like he, he realizes that this matriarchal society is malevolent when he breaks into the doctor's house and he gets stung by bees at one point in time when he stumbles on their secret beehives. And, mm-hmm. and you know, the fields where the beehives are kept are all in these hexagonal shapes just like a, a beehive right so yeah it's 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 incredible but you know it's not as disturbing as the folk songs in the first you know in the original the folk songs is is what caused the atmosphere to sort of like become more fraught but here there's not, none of that it's just him stumbling into a field of bees okay mm-hmm. scary getting stung to death by bees is scary especially if you're allergic to them but it's not a horror is scary you know, for me, no. particularly, I mean, there's nothing malevolent about these bees. They're just dumb insects being controlled by these women. Not controlled yeah. even, just, just utilized. No. But apparently yeah. they're not making enough honey, so these women have decided on a sacrifice. It doesn't have a lot of the pagan, um, you know, history connected to the rituals in the first movie. This is just a whole, yeah. wholly made-up religion. Um, yeah. Which is also disturbing, you know, having a made-up religion, showing that it could exist. Cults spring up all the time, right, Billy, based off of crazy oh, stuff. Oh, sure. Crazy notions. Yeah. But this one didn't have that, you know, a cult springing up around honey. It should be terrifying. It's not. You know, it's not that mm-hmm. terrifying for me. But, you know, um, what is terrifying is that this time uh, they've got... It turns out that this girl is his daughter, the missing girl, Rowan, because the mom discloses this to him. She says that... She left him because she got pregnant and she wanted to go home. She was scared. She was overwhelmed mm-hmm. because she came from this yeah. island that, that, that kept her very restricted and conservative. She didn't know what to do. So she headed back to a place where she feels safe. And then he's disturbed to find out this is his daughter. But he also suspects she's already dead. You know, um, she, he's, he, he follows the same train of uh, clues that Detective Howie or Sergeant Howie did in the, in the original movie where he... Uh, mm-hmm. learns about the May Festival and that the, the girls might be intended as sacrifices because he sees the yeah. same pictures on the walls of the the inn where he lodges and 
all of that part's the same as as the first movie but you know then at the end there's an added betrayal well the the first like i said the first reason it failed is because there's no uh, religious christian aspect to it versus paganism right billy so the second reason it failed is it didn't have a central figure as compelling as christopher lee was as lord summer isle i mean alan bernstein as sister summer's isle she she's not uh, interesting at all i mean she's a great actress i i think but she's not compelling in this role it's not scary it's not disturbing the only Mm -hmm. thing that that made it slightly weird is the the braveheart face paint that she wore at one point (laughs) it's not the same it's just not as impactful as uh, uh, it was in the first one and there's also no added taboo uh, subject of sex you know that that does not really exist here which which is Mm -hmm. what the first movie had the original it had this weird transgressive uh, you know side to it which made it very compelling Mm -hmm. Here, there's none of that. There's just these old, staid old ladies, almost like these honey nuns, you know, walking around. <laughs> and uh, there's nothing attractive about these ladies. I mean, even Willow, she looks emaciated. She looks like she's been, you know, starved. starved. And there's nothing attractive by by her either. I mean, but obviously, Nicolas Cage's character still has feelings for her. It's just nothing... You know, mm-hmm. there's nothing even between them that that's worth staying for, right? Believe they they don't have any chemistry between the two of them. It's just weird conversations all the time between them. And then at the end, like you say, they they do have a giant wicker man, and they mm-hmm. end up breaking his legs, breaking Nicholas Cage's legs. That that part's not shown, but it's but it's uh, you you hear it happening, right? So yeah. that he can't run away. And then he also, he's betrayed twice. First by Willow, who he realizes led him to the island for this, the purpose of being a sacrifice. And then secondly, he's betrayed by his, by his own daughter, who might not even be his daughter. We don't know. I mean, but, but Willow says yeah. it is. But she's, she betrays him too by also leading him around, thinking that he's saving her when she's just playing a role. So yep. in the end, of course, there is a burning, you know, in the Wicker Man. They hoist him up inside the innards of this, this Wicker Man as well, and mm-hmm. uh, but it's not the same as the first movie, right, Billy? There's no uh, well, the, the 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 only thing that I do find horrifying uh, horrifying about this this very last scene of Nicholas's Cage is that the girl, the daughter of his, is sent to to light the light pyre. Up. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I mean. Like you said, that Ellen Burstyn, she was not awesome in this. Um, and then, like I said, I'm not a fan of the end after after all that happens. Then, you know, it says six months later, and it shows uh, uh, two of the characters, Willow and one of the other ones, uh, Sister Honey, yeah, going that... out somewhere to pick up two guys. And it's like, oh, come on. Like, I don't know. I didn't like that at all. Yeah, this is how they, they get sacrifices for the, for the, uh, for the island. By sending their young out into the world, you know, yeah. to to get men, and uh, yeah, that's basically what happened with Willow twenty years ago, and mm-hmm. uh, it's all implied that it's implied that this is you know the reason behind everything. 
interesting. Yeah. It might be. I mean, that's the whole thing about Midsummer. Mid, mid, Midsummer. You know that new horror movie, Midsummer. It's also you know people yeah. going out, a cult going out into the world to get people to come as sacrifices. It's just. Oh, I don't know, Billy. Yeah, man. Also, Nicolas Cage's performance. I think that the main scene that he's remembered for in this remake is screaming about the bees, you know, <laughs> or or about the yeah. bee hat where he starts saying, what is it? What is it? And that that part's just not natural acting at all. That's just weird. Now, yeah. Cage is known for that weirdness, but, you know, that part just cringeworthy, right? <laughs> for me. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah, the this bees. Is not... Yeah, <laughs> it's not one of the the better things he's been in for sure. He, yeah. I mean, what did he what did he say about this movie? It was absurd. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, but he produced it. He was one of the producers yeah. of the movie. Yeah. I, I feel like if it would have done well, he would have been like, "Isn't it great?" But since it bombed, he was like, "Oh, it was absurd." Exactly. Now we we must mention that. Okay, this this is something important, right? Billy Christopher Lee, he completely disavowed this movie he completely mm-hmm. he said this remake is complete trash he wants nothing to do with it and also i think one of the original writers on the screenplay for the original movie too he said like his name was was used in this movie he asked them to take it off because he wants yeah the screenplay nothing. the screenplay yeah yeah he this guy did the screenplay for the nothing. first one was like nothing. get my name off of that you idiot <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> and then you know one of the biggest complaints um, even you know, uh, I think my wife mentioned this when we watched it. Is why did they kill the pilot? Because after all, wasn't the pilot doing what they wanted him to do? You know, because the pilot, yeah. you know, um, wa- was reluctant to take him over to the island. Eventually, he did take Nicolas Cage over to the island. The woman pretended that that was that that offended them, but that was all part of the plan. So why kill yeah. the pilot? You know, mm-hmm. what? Just just have them have him do it again eventually. You know. Yeah, um, but you know, whatever. Maybe they also wanted to silence a witness. You never know, right? Yeah. But you know, nobody knew Cage came to this island. There's no cell phone reception. There's no, you know, phone line. So, you know, but there's some weird stuff about this movie that just doesn't make any sense, you know. And yeah. also Nicolas Cage at the end railing at the woman screaming, "You bitches." <laughs> you know, like that part it <laughs> yeah. just didn't work for me. It's like Suddenly, no. he he turned it into a man against woman kind of thing. Like women are what? What's this movie supposed to say? Believe that women are dangerous, that they can't be trusted, that they're evil. I mean, essentially, or, or is this a a warning against a female led society? What is this about? I mean, that is a terrible message to have. Well, hey, look in, look out. If you see any women congregating and they start talking about bees or honey, run for the hills. This is basically <laughs> what this movie is warning us against. Yeah. <laughs> the coming bee apocalypse. Mm. Oh, man, it's crazy. No, but, um, you know, uh, some moments of horror, just not anything compelling, nothing to make it worth a rewatch other than the fact that you want to laugh about cage and about the ridiculousness of this remake oh so, yeah yeah uh, it's a good good one to watch to lampoon <laughs> yeah exactly but overall a blight uh you know uh, on the name of the original so stick to the original folks and give this one a miss or watch this one just for the novelty's sake or for a bit of fun mm-hmm overall though billy wow man this was a great discussion because uh, lots of fun times uh, you know, watching mm-hmm. these again and reliving old memories and also remembering how great, truly great the original is and how I miss Christopher Lee. Yeah, there was a, a charm to that original one, you know, uh, 
probably because of, you know, just lightning in a bottle. The people that were behind the camera, in front of the camera, it was, they really, they, they caught something there that it's just, you know, no remake, no matter who was in it or what they do. It was never going to be successful because there's just something about that movie, the time it was made and the people that were in it that, you know, there was just something, something really, really cool about it that you're, you're not going to get that again. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, man. That's well, well said. <clears throat> I can't say anything to that. You've said, you know, everything and more. So uh, fun times, Billy. Enjoyable. <laughs> yeah, for sure. We got to start plotting our next one here already, though. We're going to try to figure that out uh, uh, in uh, some due time here. We have uh, Halloween coming up very soon, so mm. we're really going to have to put the uh, thinking caps on. I know there's one movie we're definitely going to talk about with another guest, so that'll be... Uh, some interesting uh, oh, yeah. discussion there. We're going to have a, a good talk there because uh, that's going to be a, a fun <laughs> guest and a good time there. <laughs> yeah, looking forward to that, Billy. But we don't want to spoil or tease too much. But yeah, there's some, <laughs> no, some no. good listening coming up for you magazines mm-hmm. and Monsters fans out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. All right, so why don't we take a break here and then uh, uh, I'll come back and uh, wrap things up. Okay, so now we're back. Uh, let's just wrap things up here, Herman. Uh, so uh, if anybody wants to uh, look you up online, uh, where can they find you? Yeah, well, I'm mostly on Twitter, same as you, right, Billy? I'm at Dark Longbox, um, and we're also at Into Weird. Uh, those are our other two, my other two podcasts. One I do with you, Into the Weird, of course, where we discuss Marvel Bronze Age madness in the comics <laughs> and then dark longbox is my horror comic account um i'm not doing much on the longbox of darkness podcast these days but i'm hoping to get back in the saddle soon i've got some pre-recorded shows and it's gonna have a crossover with magazines and monsters too there uh, discussing mm-hmm. one of our favorite horror characters so look for that in the future oh, and yeah. then you know of course uh you can also check out our other podcast which is a world on fire which is all about the All-Star Squadron comics that we loved as kids. And, you know, we're doing a podcast on that. So, yeah, we've got a lot of stuff uh, out there, right, Billy? But if you want to contact me, just do so at on Twitter, at Dark Longbox. That's mostly my main account. Yeah, and then uh, look us up on Patreon as well for Into the Weird. You know, we're on there doing some mm-hmm. extra cool, fun content as well. And then uh, I think uh, I'm uh, running a little behind here in uh, the game planning and getting it set up. But I think come September... Um, I'm going to have, uh, you know, we're going to put an option up there. So even if anybody only wants to just throw a buck a month at us, you know, the lowest tier there just to say hi and thank you for doing the show. I think we're also going to put a poll on there. So then maybe people can vote on some, uh, subject material for our, uh, regular, you know, into the weird. That's, uh, you know, not the Patreon, our regular, uh, Apple podcasts and Spotify yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah, definitely. We'll keep, keep adding to those tiers to make it worth your while listeners. So thanks for those mm-hmm. who who have subscribed yeah. and we appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And even just thanks for the listeners to our regular shows too, you know, mm-hmm. um, yep. we don't expect anything, uh, fine, you know, financial from you guys, <laughs> but, uh, you know, if you do want to help us out, that's much appreciated. So thanks for that. Yeah, for sure. So, okay. Well, yeah, I'm going to wrap things up here and then, uh, we will catch you next time. So that's bye for me. Take care, everybody. Thanks for having me, Billy. Cheerio. You, you bet. See ya.